Hi, this is Inez, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's Sunday, January 14th, and this, well, you know, this is your Sunday sermon. Now, imagine, if you will, you worked for a company whose president found it necessary to travel out of the country and spend an extended period of time abroad. He says to you and all the other trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave, and while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to the business. You manage things while I'm away. I'll write you regularly. When I do, I'll instruct you in and what you should do from now until the time I return. And everybody agrees. He leaves, and he stays gone for a couple of years. During that time, he writes often, communicating his desires and concerns. Finally, he returns. He walks up to the front door of the company and immediately discovers everything is in a mess. Weeds flourishing in the flower beds, windows broken across the front of the building, the gal at the front desk dozing off, loud music roaring from several offices, two or three people engaged in horseplay in the back room, and instead of making a profit, the business has suffered a great loss. So without hesitation, he calls everybody together and then he frowns and says, what happened? Didn't you get my letters? You say, oh yeah, sure, we got all your letters. We even bound them in a book, and some of us have memorized them. In fact, we have letter study every Sunday. You know, those were really great letters. Then the president asks, but what did you do about my instructions? The employees responded, do? Well, nothing, but we read them all. Now that story, I know it sounds a little silly, but this is the way that many Christians try to follow Jesus. They may hear the truth, but do nothing about it. American culture has created a passive form of Christianity that, frankly, beloved, is just unbiblical. We're meant to actively live out the message of God's truth. Today, we continue in part two of our sermon series, Discipleship Matters, and we'll discover that a true disciple grows, shows, knows, and goes. But before we go any farther, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we celebrate you, we worship you, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing time we have together. Lord, teach us in this second installment of Discipleship Matters what it really means to be a true disciple. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. The text for today is John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. So open your Bible or Bible app, and let's see what it says. Starting with verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll set us free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Now the context here, it's like this courtroom scene where the religious leaders are trying to trick Jesus into saying and or doing something against the law. Chapter eight begins with Jesus giving grace to the woman caught in adultery, And then he revealed himself as the light of the world and the son of God. Some rejected him, but in verse 30, it says many others believed in him. And in verse 31, Jesus speaks to the people who believed in him. James 2.19 says it's possible to believe and yet not belong to Christ. James writes, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. My friends, it's one thing to say you have faith. It's actually another to follow Christ. Now let's start off. Take a look at verses 31 and 32 of the text. It's here we find what a true disciple is. A true disciple is one who grows, shows, 
knows and goes. Let's unpack all of that. First, a true disciple is one who grows in God's word. Look at verse 31. It introduces a conditional clause. If you remain faithful to my teachings, that's what it says. The idea here is to dwell in, to remain in, to continue in, and to live in. It referred to staying in a house and becoming so in love with the place that the house becomes your home. Just as we're to be at home in our houses, so too we're to be at home in God's word. We don't just come to the word of God as an occasional guest, but we're to move in and live there. We wake up there. We return there every night. The idea is we're to sit and soak in the scriptures. Now notice, Jesus uses the phrase, my teachings, meaning the sum total of all that he's taught. Jesus challenged the religious leaders in John chapter 5, verses 37 and 38, when he said, And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts, because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and he will come and make our home with each of them. Now here's a question. Is God's word at home in your heart? Listen to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Now that word remain, it's used again in John chapter 15, verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Two verses later, Jesus urges us to abide in his love. In 2011, LifeWay Research conducted the biggest discipleship study to date. It was conducted over three decades, and during that time, they interviewed discipleship experts from eight countries, as well as surveyed 1,000 pastors and more than 4,000 Protestants from North America, 30% of which were actually in Canada. The results showed four key discipleship insights. Here they are. Number one, discipleship is intentional. Number two, groups matter. A lot, in fact. Number three, reading the Bible matters more than anything else. It's the most important growth metric of all. And number four, the discipline of Bible engagement impacts every other discipline. It should be an intuitive response for Christians to turn to the Bible. But according to the American Bible Society's annual State of the Bible 2023 report, only 47 million Americans, or about 18% of the adult population, ranked as scripture engaged. That's down from 71 million adults, or 27% in 2020. The report also said that while scripture engagement remains low, adults ranked in a category termed the movable middle grew by 10 million from 2022 to 2023, rising to 76 million. And lastly, the report said that the American Bible Society finds hope in the newest numbers. The movable middle, they say, is a wash in curiosity with more than two-thirds, 68%, very or extremely curious, and only a smidgen, 3%, not curious at all. Granted, there's a difference between wondering and actively searching, but this is a start. Curiosity, they say, is a growth platform for Bible ministry in the United States. So, beloved, all is not lost. Listen, the only way to detect error is to dwell in God's word. And the only way to grow as a believer is to know the Bible. So what's your plan to grow in God's word this year? If you don't have a plan, I highly recommend the Navigator's 5x5x5 New Testament Bible reading plan. We have copies, in fact, at the information table at Word of Hope. One pastor was quite vulnerable when he wrote this, and I quote, 
When I miss the word for some days of neglect, my sight of him becomes blurred. My savoring of him becomes dull, and therefore my showing him, which is what I exist for, is diminished or forced. So as we grow in God's word, we're also, here's the second point, we're also to show we are true disciples. In the last part of verse 31, Jesus teaches it's possible to make an emotional decision without becoming an actual disciple. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. It's one thing to believe Christ and have good feelings about that. It's another to receive Christ by faith and follow him faithfully. True disciples live in God's word and allow God's word to live in them. When Jesus challenged his disciples with some very difficult discipleship demands, he asked if they wanted to stop following him. Peter spoke up for the team in John 6 verse 68 and said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. In verse 31, the word truly means really or certainly. A disciple is literally a learner, one who's being mentored by the master. It also denotes one who follows another's teaching. So a disciple is a lifelong learner who grows and shows what he or she is learning from the teacher. Next, a true disciple knows the truth. That's point number three. Now look at the first part of verse 32. It says, and you will know the truth. Incredibly, Jesus references truth seven times in this section. Since this verse is often taken out of context, it's important to realize truth is not primarily a principle or a philosophy or a platform. Truth, my friends, is a person and his name is Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Pilate's question to Jesus still echoes down through the centuries when he asked in John 18, 38, what is truth? Sadly, truth was standing right in front of him and he missed it. We live in a society that has trouble with truth as well, and oftentimes we miss it. If you want to know the truth, get to know the one who is truth, and then follow the truth of what he says in his word. I'm fascinated by how many times Jesus uses this phrase, truly, truly. It really means very truly. In John's gospel alone, he says it 26 different times. Jesus always tells the truth about our condition, our need for salvation, how to be born again, how to pray, how to forgive, how to love, and how to live on mission. In a world filled with lies, half-truths, confusion, and uncertainty, Jesus prays this for his followers in John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So far from the text, we've learned that a true disciple grows in God's word. They show God's word in their lives because of their actions, and they know the truth of God's word because they know the Lord personally. The last point I want to share with you is that a true disciple of the Lord goes in freedom. Now listen to the second half of verse 32. It says, and the truth will set you free. Jesus came to set us free from sin, as spelled out in Romans 6.22. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Jews who were listening to the Lord didn't like hearing that they needed to be set free. So they pushed back in verse 33. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? They must have forgotten about their history, right? Because they were slaves in Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon, and now they're living under Roman rule. Also, they had a warped view of their own sinfulness, thinking that because they kept some rules, they were good to go. Now, before I leave this passage today, the John 8, 31 to 36 passage, Jesus gives a warning and then a welcome. Take a look at verse 34, because here's the warning. The warning is that sin leads to bondage. In verse 34, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. 
They thought they were spiritually superior, the Jews did, but Jesus made it clear that everyone is in bondage to sin. You cannot be freed from sin until you admit you are enslaved to it. But the welcome is that Jesus is the bondage breaker or the chain breaker. Listen to verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. This is more evidence that the Son is truth itself because in verse 32 it said the truth, meaning the Son, will set you free. Galatians 5.1 states, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. A.W. Tozer once wrote, and I quote, Each generation of Christians must look to its beliefs. While truth itself is unchanging, the minds of men are porous vessels out of which truth can leak and into which error may seep to dilute the truth they contain. The human heart is heretical by nature and runs to error as naturally as a garden to weeds. The heart that fails to cultivate truth and root out error will shortly be a theological wilderness. So, beloved, now what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond? How can we become a true disciple of Jesus? Well, here's four action steps for you to take today. Number one, develop a plan to soak in the scriptures. Since many of us struggle with Bible reading, I want to pass along a helpful concept I heard this week from Pastor Brian Bill, senior pastor of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island, Illinois. In fact, he said he heard this from yet another pastor. Bill said to view your scripture reading as proactive intake and reactive intake. Let me explain. Proactive intake. Discipline yourself to read every day so you know what's in the Bible. Jesus assumed the scriptural knowledge of his disciples when he referenced Old Testament characters. One example is found in Luke 17, 32, where Jesus said to the disciples, remember Lot's wife? In order to remember, you must know it in the first place. Are you reading the Bible proactively every day? And secondly, reactive intake. When you go through difficult times, allow the circumstances of life to drive you back to the scriptures. When dealing with doubt or disease or death or discouragement, allow the Bible to be your comfort. David experienced this in Psalm 119, verse 71, when he said, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. These approaches work together because your proactive reading will help you know where to read when you need some reactive intake. The second action step is this. Study how Jesus viewed scripture. Here are five ways Jesus anchored his teaching to the word of God, and I'm sure there could be more. First is Mark 12, 24. Here Jesus told religious leaders they were wrong because they didn't know the scriptures. John 5, 39. Jesus told others that scriptures bear witness about himself. Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. When tempted by the devil, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy three different times. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Jesus came to fulfill scripture. Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. Jesus spoke of the Old Testament as a historical record of people and events, Adam and Eve, Jonah and the great fish, Noah and the flood, for example. Now, the third action step is to test the teaching. Not every bestseller is the best book to read. Not every podcast is worth your time, and not every popular preacher is worth listening to. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. That means, beloved, you need to check what I'm saying as well. I recently read an article from Pastor Tim Challies about counterfeit detection. He wrote, Federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. Then, when they see bogus money... They recognize it. 
So the best way to spot a counterfeit is to be familiar with the original. So here's our last action step today. Don't fall asleep spiritually. You know, I've heard that phrase for many years, don't fall asleep at the wheel, of course, referencing to driving. Well, yeah, obviously. But think about this. Don't fall asleep at the spiritual wheel either. As we established last week, it's impossible to just coast into Christ's likeness. Romans 13, 11 says, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It's time to live on mission by obeying the Great Commission. Sometimes we take the word of God for granted and we don't value it the way we should, like a young man who was getting ready to graduate from college. Philip eyed a beautiful sports car in the dealer's showroom, hoping his father would purchase it for him. Each day leading up to the big day, he looked for signs from his dad to see if he had purchased the car. After the graduation ceremony, the father summoned his son to his private study. A proud father handed his son a wrapped gift box as he expressed his feelings about such a big accomplishment. Intrigued, but to some extent disappointed, the son unwrapped the box to reveal a leather Bible with his name embossed in the lower right-hand corner. He raised his voice and shouted at his father, You got me a Bible for graduation? With all the money you have, you got me this? The son left the Bible on the dad's desk and stormed out of the office. His relationship with his father was fractured from that day forward, and he never apologized for his outburst. Years passed, and the young man went on to run a successful business, have a family, and live a comfortable life. One day he received a message stating that his father had died from a massive heart attack. The son was in charge of the estate, so he needed to come home to execute the wishes of his father. As soon as he arrived, regret overwhelmed him. Searching through the papers on his father's desk, he came across the Bible that he had received from graduation, still in the original box. Tears streamed down his face as he flipped through the pages. He noticed a bookmark next to a verse that his father carefully underlined. It was Matthew 7:11, and said, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? As he closed the Bible, he felt something stuck to the back cover. It was the key to the sports car he had wanted with the tag of a local dealer's name on it. Inscribed on the tag were his graduation date and the words, Paid in full. Some of God's richest blessings are packaged in the Bible. Unfortunately, many Christians will live and die without ever experiencing them, simply because they don't open it every day. Beloved, will you learn it? Will you love it? Will you live it by growing, showing, knowing, and going? Some people believe that all religions are the same. Pastor David Platt illustrates how Christianity is different in a conversation he had with two guys who followed different religions. It's almost like you guys picture God at the top of the mountain and we're at the bottom, Platt says. I may take this path up and you may take this path up, but in the end, we'll all be at the same place. They smiled and said, exactly, you understand. Platt then said, what if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain didn't wait for us to find our way up to him, but that he actually came down to where we are? They responded, that would be great. To which he replied, this is the difference. What we find in the Bible is the story of God who has not left us alone to try and find our own way, but he has come to us and he has made a way to us through Jesus. Beloved, you can have the assurance right now, right here, right now, that your sins are paid in full because Jesus made his way to you. He died on the cross for your sins and he was raised on the third day. Put your faith in him today, beloved, and lovingly follow him every single day of your life. Then intentionally help somebody else do the same. And all God's people said, Amen. 
Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.